Hello from ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2018 in Vancouver, Canada. I'm Jim Calloway. I'm Joe Patrice. Rosvalli Marquez Morales. I'm Rhonda Hunter. I'm Tommy Wells. And we're On the Road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road. It's a pleasure to be here in Vancouver for the ABA Mid-Year Meeting. And today, Joe, we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about bias, uh, in particular implicit bias, um, with our panelists who did a panel on in implicit bias that I watched just a few minutes ago. Welcome, everybody, for being here. I think first we want to go through just some introductory bio, who you are, and then we'll talk a little bit about the panel that we just watched. So, Rosalie. Well, thanks for the invitation. I'm Rosvelli Marquez-Morales. I am a director of diversity. Uh, formerly, I was a partner uh, at a firm, a litigation firm, where I spent 15 years of my career. And I share that information because that's where I sort of uh, experience a lot of the biases that we'll be talking to you about today. I'm Rhonda Hunter. Uh, I currently serve as the chief of the juvenile division of the Dallas County District Attorney's Office. And I've done that for about a year. I spent 30 years before that in private practice as a family lawyer in Dallas. I'm a former president of the Dallas Bar Association and a member of the ABA House of Delegates. Hello, I'm Tommy Wells. I was president of the ABA 10 years ago. It's hard for me to believe it's been 10 years. Uh, I'm a practicing lawyer in Birmingham, Alabama with the firm of Maynard, Cooper & Gale. Well, let's get into bias. Uh, this was a great panel and it went through a series of tests uh, at the beginning uh, about bias that ran everyone in the room through the ways in which they may be biased, uh, several based on the IAT. I guess, Rhonda, you talked mostly about the, uh, the IAT test. I did talk about yeah. the test, but I think it's, uh, it'd be great for Rose Valley to tell us what implicit bias is. So I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that we all have biases and there's no judgment. It's not um, you know negative to have a bias. I think sometimes people get caught up and think, oh, uh, I don't have a bias just because it has this negative connotation, but we all have them. Uh, it's actually the way that our mind uses uh, to, to be able to process information in a rapid way. Um, bias is preferential behavior or, you know, that we may have or thoughts about particular things or entities. Uh, there is two forms generally that we talk about. It's explicit, you know, it's obvious, it's conscious stereotypical um, and then unconscious and unconscious is, is very pervasive uh, and very uh, an important factor in how we process information like what I said earlier it's uh, about 80 percent of our decision making is based on implicit bias. Over the course of the years an implicit bias test and many implicit bias tests have been developed. Uh, we encourage people to take the implicit bias test and you can google implicit bias test or Harvard IAT and uh, you can test yourself on whether you're uh, biased in terms of race or gender, whether you're biased against the handicap. Maybe you have an affinity for skinny people over fat people or the elderly over the young. There are many tests that you can take. And you will be surprised and probably perturbed at the results that you get when you take the test. And I tell everybody, just prepare yourself for that. Because we are testing for what is unconscious. So our conscious thoughts, we think, overtake our unconscious thoughts. And that's not necessarily the case, and the test will tell you that. You know, it's really implicit bias. It goes back to almost our animal brain, where it's a fight, 
or flight idea where before you think you have to make a decision and because of that you know you you have implicit things if you see a tiger you're not going to sit there and think is that a tiger is it dangerous to me what should i do you're going to run you're going to flee and that's the part of our brain that actually acts before we think about it and that's what implicit bias is so a lot of the people watching the the panel were judges uh people who have to deal with not just with themselves but also with the attorneys who are uh out there, one question from the audience that really stuck with me was somebody pointed out that trial lawyers are really training themselves to capitalize on bias because that's just a way in which they feel they can get an advantage. What do we do about that? Like, what steps should we do, either the judges' uh, advice given to the judges in the room or just as a profession to try and put a stop to the ways in which, without jeopardizing the zealousness that lawyers have to have avoid you know kind of a gross capitalization on bias well I think that uh, people may be attempting to capitalize on people's explicit biases or the biases that they know that they have as opposed to their unconscious biases and that's the difference in what we teach uh, when we discuss uh, implicit bias. You may have biases that, well you do, we all have implicit biases, biases that we don't know that we have. And it's becoming more aware of what your biases are that we want people to know about. And to use that to create a more fair courtroom experience for all the participants in the courtroom. I think today's conversation is, is very key, is that we have to educate ourselves um, and, you know, not only the judges, but also their, their chamber staff. One of the, the things that this is a, a conversation that we're just starting to have, right? It's, I mean, it's been around, it's part of our, our mechanical brain system, but we haven't really been talking about this out loud. And now that we're doing so, I think it's bringing light. And by doing so, people will be better equipped to sort of deal with these type of situations. You know, I, I look at it from my standpoint as a trial lawyer. When I'm trying to uh, select a jury, uh, I gave an example today that, you know, I went to the University of Alabama. I'm a huge Alabama fan. I'll tell the jury that, and I'll tell the jury, I'm biased. You would not want me to be a referee in an Alabama football game. And it's really difficult to get people to admit that they have biases whether they're implicit or explicit, it's even harder to get them to admit if they're implicit. But that's one of the techniques I try to use when I'm striking a jury uh, to get them to, you know, bias is not pejorative, it's not a pejorative term. Everybody has a bias. Everybody is different than everybody else. And you're gonna have a bias toward people who look like you, act like you, have your background, it's just, it's innate. It's, it's human nature. When we first meet someone new, we form a mental impression of that person within seven seconds. And we don't know anything about that person in the first seven seconds that we see them. What we're doing is we're uh, forming an impression of that person based on our past experiences, uh, on uh, our upbringing, on um, relationships, and on events that we have had in the past. 
And so within that seven seconds, we are creating a bias because we don't have the information necessary to know if that person really is the person that we are thinking they are in that first seven seconds. Well, Rosfeli, you told a story that I thought was interesting because, like, taking out of the judges' chambers, you told a story about reviews in law firms and how that can kind of stick with you and the ways in which we should think through what we're doing when we're filling out a review, which I think most of us as lawyers do at some point to somebody. Yeah, I think what happens very commonly is we're all busy, right? So when we ask to do these reviews of people, you know, it's easier to sort of write generally what we would assume a person in that position could either benefit from doing better um, you know, we know we say a few nice things and then, we, you know, things that can be improved, right? Because that's what a, a review is. But what we have to stop and is use one of the debiasing techniques that we also talked about is individuate, right? And think about this particular person and their actions and whether or not our comments are reflective of this individual's capabilities and potential as opposed to what we have assumed for a person in that particular either class year education background if they went to a particular Ivy League school versus maybe a non Ivy League school and you know that's the way we have to approach things we have to sort of stop and process before we just sort of jump into the action of writing the actual review yeah because the theme of this panel that I came across was as I understood it was one the understand the biases everywhere and it's not necessarily your fault if, if you have implicit bias, just recognize it. Uh, and that seemed to be the most important lesson was understand that it's happening uh, and constantly understand that it's happening. I think right towards the end, there was, someone said something about how there's some data to suggest that even if you are aware of it and do something to consciously help, tests show that that only helps for a short while and that you kind of revert back uh, if you aren't constantly doing it. I, if I recall somebody saying that towards the end. So I guess we'll transition to whoever wants to go through some of these debiasing techniques that everyone should be on the lookout for uh, and do in their day-to-day -day practice. One of the things we need to do is stop and think about what we're doing because uh, the bias comes in, implicit bias comes in when we're automatically making a mental shortcut. We have mental shortcuts in just about everything we do. And if we can stop and think about what we're doing, particularly in certain situations, such as a job interview, or when you're considering someone for a promotion, uh, or when you see someone walk into a courtroom, for instance, think about what you are thinking at that point and just stop and make sure that you are not creating a bias against that person. Another technique is bystander interruption, right? If we see something, sort of say something, uh, it's not easy, uh, but sometimes we do have to recognize that if we're in the room and we realize that someone is acting based on a bias or an assumption, then we have a responsibility to try to make a correction on that, or at least question the person. Is it, you know, if you made this decision, did you also consider X, Y, and C person? And if the person says yes, then you can move forward, but at least you are bringing it to that person's conscience and making sure that they're thinking about it if they haven't. Also hearing different perspectives from different people and associating with people who are not in your own group, uh, your own cultural group or your own affinity group uh, will help with debiasing. And it's been shown that being motivated not to be biased also helps to debias. Yeah, it really is important to to get to the thinking part of reaction. 
if you don't get to the thinking part of reaction, your, your implicit biases will control your behavior. Again, I go back to, you see a tiger, you don't think about whether it's a tiger. You run. If you get past the that and into thinking about it, then you can individuate with an individual uh, and, and hopefully get past your implicit biases. You can also ask, would it make a difference if, uh, in my decision if this person were female or if this person were male or if this person were Hispanic? And you can use that as a devising technique. Okay, before we close this out today, I have one last question for each of you. If our listeners would like to follow up, how can they reach you? Uh, sure, rosevelliaoutlook.com. rfhunter at hotmail.com. I'm T. Wells at maynardcooper.com. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with the Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh